Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. My name is Roz Picardo, and I'm here with Callie Picardo. And do you want to introduce our special guest today? We're so excited. We've got Dr. Ron Bell with us. He is a pastor, actually senior pastor of Camper Memorial United Methodist Church. Um, and he and he is also an author and has done some incredible work, especially around the topic of trauma, um, something that we have all dealt with lately, um, I feel like more than ever. And so we're here to learn from you, Ron. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> well, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited about our, our, our time together. <laughs> Ron, why don't you just start by telling us, how, how did you get into tackling this hard topic of trauma? Why is this something that's important to you personally? You, you know, so so four years ago, my father died um, and he was my hero. Uh, he had he was also a pastor, pastored 40 years in the United Methodist Church. And so we used to like compare sermons to see who would <laughs> outreach the other one, you know. And so when he died, there was this vacuum, but I still had to preach. And so, you know, I had to find a space, find somewhere to put the grief I was feeling. What I would do is I would just kind of write uh, before I would work on my sermons. And so I would just kind of write my anxieties, write my grief, write my stuff. And so it just became this this way of dealing with uh, what I was carrying. And what I begin to recognize is if I'm dealing with that, I'm certain there are other leaders and pastors out there who are also struggling with their own grief and their own stuff while also trying to lead and bless and be something for others. And so went back to school to get trained and have language around just how to help and support. And so that kind of became my entrance into uh, this work around trauma and and grief. And God has aligned you um, not only as a church planter, but, you know, strategically placed you in your ministry in the midst of tragedy. Do you want to just share about that a little bit. Sure. So so where I'm situated currently, uh, Camphor is the only predominantly African-American United Methodist Church in the state of Minnesota. Uh, we are about 15 minutes from where George Floyd was killed. We're about 10 minutes from where Philando, no, actually we're on the same street where Philando Castile was killed. We're about 10 minutes from where Amir Locke was killed. Uh, and, and so it just, it just kind of goes on. We're right in the middle of it. And so because we're the only Black United Methodist Church, um, we have been called to really speak to, to be a voice for, to be a shoulder for uh, a lot of the trauma and anxiety that our community feels as a result of all of the, of all of the grief happening. Yeah. What are some of the things you all have done? Like what, how have you helped to kind of minister to your community in such a season of trauma? So, so one of the things that we've done, we, we call them trauma healing days. In fact, we have one coming up this, this, this uh, coming Sunday. And so we literally 
will will have the outside of our of our yard um, at Camford, the outside of the church. We will take it over. We have yoga folk. We have therapists and counselors. We have psychologists. Um, we'll have art therapy. We'll have uh, a live poetry. Um, and it's just something we give to the community to say, come, let's practice breathing and stretching and doing our downward dog and <laughs> you know, all these pieces to just deal with our trauma. And again, we have therapists and folk on, on site uh, to care for the community. And so we do this consistently. Um, we did it at the very beginning of once George Floyd was killed with the racial unrest and been other different ways, creating circles both, both outside and inside. But we just try to be visible and be present for the community. Yeah. In your call, is not to exact you're on the front lines but you want to equip and minister to those that are on the front lines with social injustice and uh racial injustice and maybe just share how that kind of birthed and and play it plays itself out you, you mentioned a little with what the church does but yeah you, you, you know i really believe that god has given me an anointing to pastor pastors to lead leaders um, and one of the things that breaks my heart uh, was a, a special I watched and read around Martin Luther King Jr. And they had done an autopsy on him um, after he passed. And what they realized was that had he not passed the way he did, he would have died anyway within a year because of the condition of his heart. There was so much stress, carotid arteries, was all, all those kinds of pieces because of all the anxiety the tension, the stress, the trauma he was experiencing, but could not physically or publicly express, right? And so, and so, it 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 broke my heart to think of who was pastoring King, who where were the spaces where our leaders could exhale, could be vulnerable, right? And so, and so for me, I, I feel like my calling is to do that, whether it's church planners around the globe, whether it's leaders of, of political movements, racial movements whether it's educators, whether it's pastors, I feel like God has really called me to just provide, create that space for folk to be, for folk in leadership to be able to exhale. Yeah. That is such a blessing. And I think a lot of the leaders hearing this, whether they're pastors, social workers, teachers, healthcare, those that have been on the front line of this are probably kind of wondering, gosh, how do I find a Ron Bell for my life? I mean, how, what are, I mean, where do you go? Where do you turn? Where do you go when you need help, when you're dealing with trauma and you just, you need an outlet, but sometimes it's hard to find a space. I've heard, been talking to folks and just the backlog on even getting in to see a counselor is so great right now. It's hard to get the mental health care we need. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it, it it becomes all the the more important of finding space. You know, one one of the things I've, I've been really pushing as of late um, is to find community, mm-hmm. right? Is to find community, find those 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 connections where you don't have to be doctor or <laughs> reverend or president or professor, right? Where you can just be Ron. Right. Where you can just be rise, where you can just be right. Find those spaces because it's yeah. it's so important to take off the armor. Right. Like 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 you, there can't be resilience unless I recover and I cannot recover if I'm still wearing the armor I've been carrying. At some point, you got to take it off. 
you got to just take it off, right? I can't keep the helmet on 20. I've got to take it off, right? There's a me under the helmet. And so finding spaces where you can do that uh, is just, is just so important. How, where have you found those spaces personally? What are some of the ways that you care for yourself going through trauma? So, so I have a practice and it, it might not be the healthiest, but <laughs> I'll be honest. But it works. <laughs> so every other Friday, I get my Jeep washed, right? I get my nails done. I get my hair shaped up. I go and I have a cigar and I just drive and listen to jazz. And that's my, <laughs> that's my, that is my self-care every other Friday. <laughs> And Roz is now jealous that he doesn't live in Minneapolis or in Minnesota to be close to you. <laughs> I knew I liked you for some reason. See, see, brothers, we, we are brothers. But but that's that's the way, and that works for me. And and I can tell, and my wife can tell hmm. when I miss a Friday. Yeah, she can tell, right? And so she will say to me. You need to go care for yourself. And that's code to go do those things. Yeah. 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 As, um, As a society, you know, over the last two years with, um, you know, the racial tensions and unrest and injustice, plus uh, the political division in our country, plus COVID-19, and now um, with the invasion of Ukraine and... Uh, folks, you know, my age and maybe your age, I don't know, um, remembering a glimmer of the Cold War and mm-hmm. the intensity that, hey, are we going to be bombed? Are we going to – can you just speak to kind of this trauma as a as a society that yeah. we're carrying? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the space that we are in is toxic. It is toxic, right? And and we turn on the news and we are consuming that toxicity. We engage in conversations and we are regurgitating that toxicity, right? Right, we go to bed and we're thinking about this toxicity. The space is toxic. And so if the space is toxic, if the environment is toxic, that means that, that we have to be that much more intentional about creating healthy and clear and clean spaces for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So I've got to turn the TV off, mm-hmm. right? I've got to turn the radio off. Maybe, maybe the conversation I have with my wife or with my friends, you know, you know is it, is it um, 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 on these subjects? Maybe, maybe we just need to talk about uh, why, the, why, why the Lakers aren't going to make it to the playoffs. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I just need to have that conversation, right? So I think the more the more we do that, the more we're able to care for ourselves in the midst of the toxicity. The world doesn't want that. Right. Governments feed, uh, uh, businesses feed off of our anxiety and toxicity. There are corporations that are billion dollar entities. Right. Because we're stressed. Right. And so and so we have to be aware of that so that we can do what's helpful for us and not helpful for and not helpful for the system. It's just it's just around that 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 intentionality. Yeah. I recognized something recently in my own self. I was actually at a, or I work 
for United Theological Seminary, where we have an incredible doctor of ministry program, and they had a week long on trauma and COVID and all of that. And um, Ron, I think you spoke during it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You were part mm-hmm. of it. I had, had to miss that day, but I realized some of it too is my posture in those type settings. If I'm in a receptive taking things in posture, which I was going to that week, I realized, oh, I'm also like absorbing all of that trauma. And so some of it I've known too, is just being aware, what is my posture when I'm reading news? Am I just receiving all of this in? Or um, I have a call to intercessory prayer. So, or am I taking it and not receiving it, but lifting it up to God? And so I've noticed some too, is like my, my awareness of how I'm responding. Am I just taking in, am I receiving, or am I taking it and lifting it up to God? There's a, there's a tool I use called pies, P-I-E-S. And so I will ask people, how are your pies? Right before we, right be, be, before we have a meeting starts, I will say, how, how are your pies? And I'll tell them how my pies are. And pies is an acronym. The P stands for how are you physically? The I stands for how are you intellectually? The E stands for how are you emotionally? And the S stands for how are you spiritually? But it does exactly what you just said. It helps to give us a better understanding of where we are at and how we are receiving and dispensing information, where we're at in the space. How are your pies? Right. And so it was good to check in your check in every now and again. Yeah. That's such a powerful tool as a leader to do with your team. What do you do when everyone's like, oh, my pie is a mess? I mean, (laughs) you don't need. Yeah. You you, You give yourself permission to say, you know what, today, let's just breathe. Let's go have a a drink or eat something nice or hang out. But we'll come because what you don't want to do is hear that and then try to through that deal with the issues in front of you, because then that toxicity gets on all the stuff you're trying to care for. Right. And so if someone says, here's where I met emotionally, then you have to care for that moment. You have to be happy to be present in that moment and say, "Okay, well, then we need to shift and pivot and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. There's a definition and um, for you to maybe unpack with us, our listeners, and I, I'm trying to remember the term, but it's uh, vicarious trauma. What was the full, was that correct? Vicarious yeah, trauma? Vicarious trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Vicarious trauma is when we are experiencing uh, emotionally the traumatic events of somebody else uh, where it, it did not directly happen to us. But because it, 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 it hits us emotionally or spiritually, we're experiencing some of those results. I'll tell you um, um, what I have said is that part of the reason that the death of George Floyd became such a global event, as opposed to all the other young black men who've been killed by police, the difference with Floyd versus the others is that at the moment of Floyd's passing, Floyd called for his mother. And the simple yelling for mother has such an instinctual, uh, uh, guttural uh, piece for everyone, regardless of your race. Uh, Everyone calls for their mother at a time of pain. And so that connective piece created this opportunity for vicarious trauma throughout the entire globe uh, because we we are now all sensing emotionally exactly where Floyd and, and, and much of the community was. 
Yep. And that's actually at the beginning of one of your books that you share, right? That you unpack. Yes. Uh, the beginning of the four promises talks about, talks about just this, 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 this space and having to have this conversation with my children, uh, my, my six year old at that time around what was happening in the community, right? He's asking, are we in the middle of war? Right. Cause we're, we're right here. So they're bombing and, and, and setting on fire, the places we go to on a, on a, on a daily basis, right? They're, they're, we can't get to work because there are protests and police and National Guard in the street, right? right? It's here. It's happening, right? The air smells of, of, uh, of uh, burnt wood and rubber. Like, it's here and gunpowder. It's here. And so my, my six-year-old is asking, you know, are we in war? Right. He's shaking. And so having to kind of help walk him through that process uh, and then be there for others. Right. That 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 was and still is in many ways our reality. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, we've got young kids, too. And I was hoping you maybe mentioned a little something about kids. How if you if you have children, how do you as parents. Do you protect your kids slash help them process? I mean, my instinct as a mom is to say. Don't I don't want you to see this. I don't want you to hear this. I don't want you to have to experience this. I'll go through it, but I want to protect you from it. And that's nice, but we also want to teach our kids how to be able to go through promise, come and go through it in appropriate doses. And also sometimes we can't we can't shelter them from everything. I mean, you could not keep your child from smelling, seeing, experiencing the trauma right around you. Yeah. Two things, two things. The, the, the first is this. We have to be clear on what our capacity is. Right. Because where we would love to be able to inform, to encourage, to support our children, it might be the case that we are not in the best emotional position to do such in that moment. And so we have to be aware of our own capacity. When it comes to engaging, um, I'm telling you, when I'm first watching the video or watching the news of Floyd being killed, that's not that's that's not the appropriate moment for me to try to articulate that in a way that makes sense, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, to my six yeah. year old, right? Yeah. So I've got to deal with with me before I deal with him. the The second piece is that we do have to be able to articulate in such a way that our children hear and understand. We have to say it to them plainly. Here's, here is the thing that I've discovered um, just in these last two years of just trauma work um, when it comes to kids specifically. All children want to know is that they are safe and loved, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, you, you could be talking about, you know, the dinosaur outside, the, the grizzly bear coming. They just want to know they are safe and loved. And, ha- and part of the way they know that is through our physical presence, just being with them, right? Speaking calmly, saying it in language that, that they get, re- re- reinforcing that, that we are present, we are with them, they are safe. Those, those kinds of cues and pieces, I think, are critical. And so you you, you got to be able to have the conversation. But until you're ready to have the conversation, you don't need to have the conversation. Yeah. Makes me think of the wisdom that we always get anytime we hop on an airplane, put your own oxygen mask on first before assisting others. And I feel like it applies to everything related to caring for others and trauma. You got to take care of yourself first. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Bell, thank you for blessing us today and our listeners. And I just want to encourage them to pass this along to a friend 
And uh, no matter what your vocation is, stage of life is, um, as long as there's breath in your being, you got to take care of you. And I'm going to ask if you'd be willing to just say a prayer for our listeners today. I would love to. I would love to. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all the many ways in which you continue to remind us that we are carriers of your breath. We are carriers of your breath. God, in this day, let that be visible, your breath in us, through us, with us, as we continue to experience this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ron. And if folks are interested, uh, Ron's got a website, drronbell.com. You can find out about the Four Promises, the book he mentioned, as well as some of his other articles, blogs, and work there. Ron, you are such a blessing to us personally, and I know your church and so many others. So thank you for sharing with us today. Well, thank you all.